Section fifty two of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Modern Magic A Practical Treatise on the Art of Conjuring by Professor Louis Hoffman. Section fifty two Concluding Observations it now only remains to give the neophyte a few parting hints of general application in getting up any trick even the simplest the first task of the student should be to carefully read and consider the instructions given and to make quite certain that he perfectly comprehends their meaning this being ascertained the next point will be to see whether the trick involves any principle of sleight of hand in which he is not thoroughly proficient and if it does to set to work and practice diligently till the difficulty is conquered having thus mastered the elements of the trick he should next attack it as a whole and in like manner practice 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 till from beginning to end he can work each successive step of the process with ease and finish having achieved thus much he may perhaps consider that his task is at an end by no means being perfect in the mechanical portion of the illusion he must now devote himself to its dramatic element which as regards the effect upon the spectator is by far the more important portion the performer should always bear in mind that he fills the character of a person possessing supernatural powers and should endeavour in every word and gesture to enter into the spirit of his part as the true actor playing hamlet will endeavour actually to be hamlet for the time so the soi disant magician must in the first place learn to believe in himself when he steps upon the stage he should for the time being persuade himself that his fictitious power is a reality and that the wand he holds is not only the emblem but the actual implement of his power every time he pronounces the mystic pass or touches an object with his wand to effect some pretended transformation he should force himself to forget the commonplace expedients by which the result is really attained and to believe that the effect is produced by the genuine magical process when he goes through the motion of passing a coin from the right hand to the left he should have imagination enough to persuade himself for the moment that the coin has really been transferred as it appears to be if a performer has sufficient imaginative faculty to do this if he can so enter into the spirit of his part as himself to believe in the marvels he professes he will achieve an almost unlimited mastery over the imaginations of his audience as we have already intimated each individual illusion should have its appropriate words and gestures in technical language its patter or boniment carefully arranged and rehearsed so as to produce the maximum of effect these are in truth the very life of the trick how much depends on mise-en-scene is forcibly illustrated by the account which we quoted in the last chapter from the life of robert houdin of his exhibition in algeria of the light and heavy chest we will borrow from the same high authority another illustration purposely selecting one of the simplest of card tricks the well-known feat of picking out a chosen card from the pack placed in a person's pocket 
the trick has already been described in outline but we will recapitulate its effect in a few words the performer offers the pack to a spectator and requests him to draw a card this card may or may not be forced the card having been drawn and replaced in the pack the performer makes the pass to bring it to the top and palms it immediately handing the pack to be shuffled if the card was forced he already knows it if not he takes the opportunity to glance at it while the cards are being shuffled the pack being returned the drawn card is placed on the top and the pack placed in the pocket of a second spectator the performer now announces that he not only already knows the card but that he is able to pick it out without seeing it from the remainder of the pack which he does accordingly presented in this barren form the trick would attract only the most passing notice we will now proceed to describe it quoting again from robert houdin as it should actually be presented ladies and gentlemen i shall commence my performance with an experiment which is wholly independent of dexterity i propose simply to show you the extreme degree of sensibility which may be acquired by the sense of touch we possess as you all know five senses sight hearing smell touch and taste in the ordinary way each of these senses enjoys one faculty only but when the mysterious influences of magic are brought to bear the case is altered all five of the senses may be exercised through the instrumentality of one touch for example so that we can not only touch but hear see smell and taste with the tips of our fingers you smile gentlemen but i assure you that i am serious and i venture to think that in a few minutes you will be fully convinced of the reality of the singular fact which i have mentioned here is a pack of cards madam will you be kind enough to take whichever card you please hold it for a moment between your hands so as to impregnate it with the mesmeric influence of your touch and then replace it in the middle of the pack in order to exclude all possibility of sleight of hand we will now thoroughly shuffle the cards after which for still greater certainty i will show you that the card is neither at top nor bottom whence you may be persuaded that it is placed just where chance has chosen to put it for the purpose of showing that the card is neither at top nor bottom it may either be left second from the top after the shuffle if executed by the performer himself or being actually placed on the top the second card may be drawn instead of the first by means of a tillage will some gentleman now have the kindness to empty his breast pocket and allow me to place the pack in it this is done now that the cards are placed in perfect darkness i will endeavour by virtue of that five-fold sensibility of touch which i have just mentioned to discover by the aid of my fingers only the card which this lady drew to make my task still more difficult i will undertake to draw the card at such number as you yourself may choose what number shall it be we will suppose that the reply is seventh seventh be it so then six times in succession i must avoid taking the drawn card and produce it on the seventh occasion only one two three four five six he exhibits six cards one by one taking them from the bottom of the pack now to find the lady's card 
yes i think i have it before taking it out i will read it with my little finger which is the cleverest of the five yes it is not a small card it is not a club nor a spade nor yet a diamond it is the king of he draws out the card and places it face downwards will you be good enough madam to finish naming the card before i turn it over and we shall see whether my little finger has been correct in its assertions the lady names the king of hearts which the performer forthwith turns up my little finger was right you see will you be good enough sir to take the remainder of the cards out of your pocket and testify that the experiment has really been performed exactly as i stated the above example will show how by the exercise of a little tact and ingenuity a simple piece of parlour magic may be elevated to the dignity of a stage trick the great secret is the directing of the minds of the audience into such a channel that the denouement for the moment seems to be a natural result of the causes artfully suggested by the performer this may to a considerable extent be effected as in the example above given by the language and gesture of the performer in the individual trick but still more may be done by the artistic grouping of one trick with another a comparatively simple feat being employed to prepare the minds of the spectators for the greater marvel to follow thus in the recent performances of the fakir of ulu the aerial suspension which performed the staple of his programme was preceded by the exhibition of a wooden rod or wand which by means of certain projecting wire points so minute as to be imperceptible at a very short distance was made to defy the laws of gravity by clinging to his fingertips in various positions without visible support this minor illusion being somewhat similar in effect though wholly different as to the means employed prepared the minds of the audience to receive the greater marvel of a living woman made to recline in mid-air in like manner the trick of the flying money forms an apt preparation for the introduction of the crystal cash box the series of tricks described under the title of birth of flowers affords another instance of the artistic combination of two or three different tricks in such manner as to enhance the effect of the whole but in truth examples might be multiplied ad infinitum in arranging an entertainment the performer should continually bear this principle in mind the programme should consist not of a number of absolutely unconnected tricks but of a series of ten or a dozen groups of tricks as compared with each other the groups should have as much diversity as possible but individually each should consist of the same or similar effect repeated in a more and more striking form though produced by different means or else of a string of tricks united by some natural sequence as in the case of the production of the two rabbits from the same hat followed by the rolling of the one into the other and terminating with the reproduction of the vanished animal in another quarter in order to make our meaning clearer we subjoin a specimen working program arranged on the principles we have stated program for performers own use one vanishing gloves transformed handkerchief handkerchief ultimately found in candle two borrowed half crown changed to penny and back again made to pass into centre of two oranges in succession 
three more half-crowns borrowed and all four made to pass invisibly from performer's hand to goblet at a distance and finally into crystal cash box three shower of sweets produced from borrowed handkerchief followed by bird cages then bowls of goldfish from shawl four eggs produced from mouth of assistant wizard's omelette dove wrapped in paper and vanished five chosen card picked out of a pack placed in a spectator's pocket chosen card caught on sword the rising cards six borrowed watch made to bend backwards and forwards made to strike the hour as a repeater placed in pistol and fired at target seven the chinese rings eight rabbits produced from borrowed hat one rolled into the other and subsequently found in bran glass multiplying balls and cannonballs produced from hat nine inexhaustible box producing toys reticules and finally chinese lanterns the above with proper mise-en-scene will be found an ample programme for a two hours entertainment it is hardly necessary to observe that the programme of the same entertainment for distribution among the audience would be of a very different character this is always drawn up in the vaguest possible terms so as not to reveal beforehand the actual effect of the different tricks thus the tricks in question will be described somewhat as follows program for distribution one the enchanted handkerchief two the flying coins three a succession of surprises four the fairy omelette five the cabalistic cards six the mesmerized watch seven the chinese rings eight the bewitched hat nine the feast of lanterns between each of the items above mentioned there should be an interval of one or two minutes filled up by music while the operator leaves the stage and makes the necessary preparation for the next trick it will further be found an advantage where practicable to divide the entertainment into two parts with an interval of ten minutes or so between them the curtain being let down during such interval the few minutes break is always acceptable to the audience who are apt to become fatigued by too long protracted attention and is especially valuable to the performer as enabling him to rearrange his servante removing articles that have served their purpose and replacing them by such as may be needed for the tricks to come an overcrowded servante is a fertile source of annoyance and failure and an article accidentally falling from it reveals the existence of a receptacle behind the table and therefore deprives the performance of half its effect when a rearrangement of the servante between the parts of the performance is impracticable it is well if any tricks involving the production of articles from this quarter are included in the program to introduce such tricks as early as possible so that the servante may be relieved of such articles and left clear for its second use of getting rid of articles upon it we have known a professor performing the flying glass of water trick and in placing the glass on the servante knock down a cannonball placed there to be introduced later on into a hat that cannonball weighed on the professor's mind for the rest of the evening and the performance was practically spoilt having arranged his program and the appropriate patter for each group of tricks the performer should conclude his practice by a series of three or four dress rehearsals 
with an intelligent friend to play the part of audience and who should be invited to criticize with the utmost freedom at these rehearsals there should be no make-believe but each trick should be worked throughout with the same completeness in every particular with which it is afterwards to be exhibited in public in the course of these final rehearsals the performer should tax his invention to see what amount of incidents or by-play he can introduce into the course of the different tricks thus at the commencement of his entertainment the trick of the flower in the buttonhole or that of the vanishing gloves may be introduced not professedly as an item of the programme but as a little preliminary flourish again if the performer has occasion for an egg or lemon in the course of a trick it greatly enhances the effect if instead of having the necessary article brought in by his assistant he produces it himself from a lady's muff or from the whiskers of a male spectator these little matters though small in themselves tend to keep alive the attention of the audience and to create a sort of magical atmosphere which will aid materially in disposing the spectators to receive with due respect the occult pretensions of the performer with respect to stage arrangements the professional performing evening after evening with full provision of stage appliances will quickly learn by experience how best to arrange those appliances for the purpose of his entertainment but the amateur performing only occasionally and in places not specially adapted for magical purposes may be glad of some little practical counsel in this particular we will suppose for instance that he is called upon to give a magical seance in a private drawing-room the first point is to decide which part of the room is to form the stage having settled this the seats for the spectators should be arranged at the opposite end of the room leaving as wide a space between as can well be obtained as many changes etc are effected during the journey from the audience to the table and the longer this journey is the more time is available for the necessary manipulations at the stage end the table will be the principal feature and either behind or beside this should be placed a screen of not less than six feet in height and four or five wide to serve as behind the scenes and to afford the cover necessary for the various preparations supposing a regular screen is not available one must be extemporized a large clothes horse with a curtain thrown over it will answer the purpose very well if however the drawing-room be of the regular london fashion i e consisting of a large front and small back room connected by folding doors the screen may be dispensed with and the rooms arranged as in figure three hundred and seventeen which represents a ground plan of two such rooms with the adjoining staircase and landing the larger room a will form the auditorium and the smaller room b the stage a and b representing the doors leading to the landing and c the folding doors between the two rooms the folding doors which act as curtains being first closed the spectators are marshalled into a and requested to take their seats and the door b is then closed to remain so throughout the entertainment the room b is arranged as follows the table d is placed in the centre towards the back with its servante properly arranged this may either stand alone or may be supplemented by a couple of side tables e an ordinary table f should be placed outside the door and upon this will be laid in due order 
the various pieces of apparatus and other articles which will be required in the course of the entertainment a working program should be kept on this table for the use of the performer and his assistant with a note of the articles required for the purpose of each trick this will enable them to have everything ready at the right moment without delay or confusion the door a should be kept open so that the assistant from his place by the table f can instantly see and hear what is wanted when the performer has made his bow to the audience there are still one or two little points that he will do well to bear in mind they may be summarized as follows one don't be nervous the reader may possibly consider that this is a matter in which he has no choice but nothing could be a greater mistake a little diffidence is excusable on the first presentation of a new program but never afterwards two take your time deliver your boniment like an actor playing his part and not like a schoolboy repeating his lesson further give your audience time to see and appreciate your movements young performers are very apt to exhibit the second phase of a transformation without having sufficiently indicated the first to the spectators the change of say an orange to an apple falls decidedly flat if nobody noticed that the article was an orange in the first place three don't make any parade of dexterity and don't affect any unusual quickness in your movements if you are about to vanish a coin don't play shuttlecock with it from hand to hand as a preliminary but make the necessary pass as quickly and deliberately as you possibly can don't talk about the quickness of the hand deceiving the eye and still less do anything to support such an idea the perfection of conjuring lies in the ars artem feendi and sending away the spectators persuaded that sleight of hand has not been employed at all and unable to suggest any solution of the wonders they have seen four don't force yourself to be funny if you are naturally humorous so much the better but in any case perform in your natural character five avoid personalities we accept the case of the often recurring nuisance the gentleman who professes to know how everything is done and whose special endeavor it is to embarrass the performer when you can make a person of this kind look like a fool by no means a difficult task by all means do so six never plead guilty to a failure keep your wits about you and if anything goes wrong try to save your credit by bringing the trick to some sort of a conclusion even though it be a comparatively weak one if you are so unfortunate as to experience a complete and unmistakable breakdown smile cheerfully and ascribe the fiasco to the moon being in a wrong quarter to a little misunderstanding between two of your controlling spirits or any other burlesque reason so long as it be sufficiently remote from the true one bearing in mind these parting counsels and thus armed against failure as well as prepared for success you may safely ring up the curtain and begin to witch the world with the marvels and mysteries of modern magic end of section 52 end of modern magic a practical treatise on the art of conjuring by professor louis hoffman